It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Our Big Show, the uh, podcast where we follow Rutgers football and Big Ten football. And after a brief uh, break, I am uh, happy to be back on the air and talking Rutgers football, uh, one of our uh, first uh, and recent edition of our offseason. And uh, this particular show, we're going to focus on a spring practice recap and, and go over uh, the 15 practices uh, that the Rutgers football team put in and as well talk about the uh, uh, spring game uh, and any of the uh, some of the interesting stories around uh, both the uh, program and, and the spring practices themselves. Uh, also, we're going to get a little bit into um, talking, always uh, recruiting. And as we know, one of my most popular things on this show is that college football is a year-round sport. I mean, it starts in August and season goes from September to December, and then you kind of roll into uh, your bowl game and then right into the national signing period. Uh, and then you have spring practice and uh, tons and tons of uh, uh, camps and, and talk about the future of the, the next recruiting class. And then next thing you know, you're back at it. It's summertime and it repeats itself over. So, uh, it's always fun to chat college football and uh, and tonight's show. I'm pretty excited. Has a good, pretty good lineup uh, coming up. Uh, Sam Hellman from the Scout, Scout Network, uh, ScarletReport.com, and and of course, uh, you know, tomorrow kicks off the NFL Draft. So, uh, pretty excited to have uh, uh, Rick of NFLDraftBible.com to come on and briefly talk uh, uh, about some of the potential NFL draftees that Rutgers may be putting out this year uh, and. Uh, he's been on the show in the past, and, of course, this is crunch time for him, so I'm glad he's able uh, to give us some time. And then uh, Michael Fody, uh, the, who's been on the show before, but this time he'll be coming on as, as a uh, uh, member of the Upstart, the ChopNation.com, uh, a, uh, a, a new site that's part of the uh, 247sports.com. Of course, uh, I've, I've had uh, J.C. Sherbert of, of 247 come on a few times in the past, too, so looking forward uh, to, to doing that. So uh, another interesting um, offseason, of course, in, in, in Rutgers, uh, a lot of focus is, is on as they continue to compete in the Big Ten coming off an eight and five season, uh, you know, which surprised a lot of people outside of the program. But uh, within that, uh, it's it's a continuing struggle to continue to to build up, uh, not just to compete, but to to excel in, in the program and excel in the Big Ten. And well, one of the big storylines is always trying to keep top players in New Jersey. And I think that was a uh, a theme, uh, if you watch the game on the Big Ten Network, the spring game, that is, with some of the former uh, players like Anthony Davis that were interviewed. And, uh, you know, almost to a man, uh, Timothy Wright talked about 
uh, keeping some of these top players. So this was a another you know opportunity that the program was using to pitch itself uh, to some of the top players in the state. But in terms of the spring practice itself, and and of course Rutgers, uh, you know as we know in football, whether it's college, NFL, anywhere you go. You know, some of the biggest the biggest position probably is, of course, quarterback position. And uh, this year they will be replacing a four-year player, um, you know, who Gary Dover, who started pretty much over those four years. And the always difficult to, to replace a quarterback. Uh, now, what's interesting this is that uh, there's definitely a a two-player competition uh with Chris Raviano and Hank Redding, and uh, we got a glimpse in that game of, of both quarterbacks, but that was obviously one of the storylines. But, of course, there's much more and, and many more storylines. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to welcome uh, Sam onto the show. Sam, well, welcome back, and I'm uh, glad to have you on today. Hey, Jerry, thanks for having me back. Uh, good to hear from you again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be surreal how, how quickly uh, – uh, you know, it just transitions from, you know, the season is over and then, of course, the intensity around National Signing Day and filling up your class. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like a blur when spring practice started and, and now, you know, it's over and we're kind of, uh, you know, recapping and then looking forward uh, to to other going on. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just a man trying to make my way in the universe. But before you know it, it's uh, it's training camp, it's Norfolk State, it's Penn State, and we start all over again. Yes, I mean, I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, you talk to people and, 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 you know, you look at that schedule that, that Rutgers puts out now, uh, and, and it's definitely something to look forward to, you know, whether it's now, you know, they're announcing some of the night games they're going to be having. Uh, of course, they'll be going to Penn State. That's going to be a night game on, on the Big Ten Network and uh, hosting Ohio State and Michigan State at night. And, you know, just, just thinking again, it's still, you know, kind of hard to uh, – you know, believe that, that this is the type of schedule they're going to be playing. But, uh, uh, you know, here they are, and, and, you know, now we get to see some of the product in, in the spring. But, you know, I, I talked about, of course, the quarterback, uh, you know, position, of course, that headlines it. But, uh, you know, kind of off the bat, I wanted to, uh, you know, ask you, you know, what were some of the players who kind of uh, stuck out in, in your eye in this uh, spring practice? Well, I mean, to me, there's two kinds of players that I look at spring practice. I look at the guys that are obvious starters, but I want to see how seriously they take things. You have guys that there's no question they're going to start this year, but you still want to see how hard they play. You want to see them give it 100% in camp. And I saw that from some guys like Quentin Gauze. I thought I had a great camp at linebacker. He he didn't need to practice once to keep that starting job, but he still showed up every day and worked his butt off. And I'd really I'd say the same thing. When I look at the offensive line, I'd say the same thing about Keith Lumpkin, who played through some injuries and looked pretty good at left tackle. And I give J.J. Denman a heck of a lot of credit at right tackle, stepping in to replace Taj Alexander. He played every practice, and you can't say that about a lot of guys on the offensive line. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think in the spring game, uh, they had eight healthy uh, linemen. So, you know, those who are watching the game, it, it, it did look a little funny where you had a uh, you know, some red jerseys, some white jerseys, and then, and then there was the black jerseys of the offensive linemen who were rotating on both teams as well as the quarterback. Uh, you know, offensive line, last year uh, Rutgers returned five starters, which I think, um, you know, sometimes was overlooked in, in the in the success that they had. Uh, uh, you know, obviously there's consistency in that fact when you can bring back five starters. Uh, but now they're going to be replacing three. Uh, you know, obviously Keith Lumpkin is, is, is a star at left tackle. 
Um, but, you know, you're replacing it with players that, that have a lot of potential, but, of course, you know, the inexperience is there. You mentioned them in a right tackle. Um, you know, Lumpkins obviously uh, penciled in. Um, yeah, Muller. Where do you see uh, the rest of the top five shaking out? You know, it's a tough question because I'm not sure if top five is really the right phrase right now. Kyle Flood said a bunch of times, hey, we could play six or seven guys. And, yeah, that's kind of a, a concern when you look at the offensive line. But at the same time, when you have so many young new guys that could play multiple positions, you know, who knows where they fit best. You might not see until you see it in a live game. So, I mean, to answer your question, I, I think Dorian Miller is a lock to start somewhere, probably replacing Caleb Johnson at left guard. And then center and right guard, we'll see how quickly Chris Muller gets healthy. Derek Nelson was okay at the center in spring. He could have been better. Uh, Tariq Cole and Jaquise Webb both played very well in spring, but are they ready to start after really you know less than a year in the program? I don't know. If you had to ask me, I would probably say Chris Muller and, and uh, Derek Nelson round out that, that five-man rotation. But really, there's a lot of reps to be won in training camp. Now, you know, one thing that uh, is – you know, a luxury to have, and you know, is at the skill position. Rutgers uh, uh, looks to have you know pretty good depth at both the running back and and wide receiver uh, position. And you know, one player I wanted to ask you about. Uh, you know, we heard from numerous publications and 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 boards, and and obviously he he kind of cemented his his good spring season with uh, a nice spring game in Carlton Tagredosi, who uh, you know kind of stepped up and took charge of, of an opportunity. Uh, now, one player, you know, I guess we didn't hit too much about, but Andre Patton, uh, who finished off strong at the end of last season, uh, you know, is he still penciled in as that number two, or is Agredosi pushing him, or really Agredosi kind of set himself up as, as a solid number three? It's a good question, Jerry, and don't forget Janarian Grant, because when he's healthy, who knows where he fits? I mean, he he might be a slot guy, he might be a lot more, but Patton, I think he he was inconsistent in spring. I, I would say he was a a little disappointing at times, especially when you look at how he finished last season. I'd like to see him be more consistent, but you could say the same thing about Carl Nagadosi because, yeah, he had a great spring. He's had great practices before, and it didn't translate to the field. Right now, Carlton's playing the X receiver spot uh, behind Leonte Carew. I don't know if that's going to change. I'd like to see him work at the Z where Patton's playing right now, but I, I would still say that Agadosi has something more to prove before he jumps into that main rotation with Grant, Patton, Carew, and maybe even John Simmons. Right. I mean, you mentioned Simmons, who's clearly uh, showed himself to be an, an option. Uh, you're a sure-handed player that uh, will definitely get reps in third down. And, you know, when you throw in uh, you know, Grant, I mean, you're looking at five wide receivers, and, and don't forget, there's experience in, in, in uh, Wuhan Peel, who's coming back. So uh, they seem to be, uh, you know, have at least in terms of numbers, uh, some depth at that position uh, with the star and uh, uh, being and being Carew. Now, of course, the running back um, position, Paul James, who was, you know, not playing, of course, for his injury. And uh, we had a good ending of the season, again, by the two freshman uh, running backs and, and Josh Hicks and Robin Martin. Um, I thought Hicks looked, uh, you know, pretty good again in the uh, spring game. Uh, then you have other guys. I mean, uh, in, in Des Peoples and, and Goodwin, I think all five of those in their career run for over 100 yards in a game, which is pretty impressive. Uh, 
Uh, is, is that pretty much the pecking order? And, and, and good question, does James assume the starting role or do you think he actually really has to fight it out with uh, Hicks and Martin to, to get that role? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a great question. Again, I, I, I look at what Ky, how Kyle Flood thinks and I would guess that he would go with the experienced guy that he trusts in Paul James, but who knows where James truly is in his recovery in terms of if he's ready for camp, if he's proven enough by the first game, do you want to risk bringing him back too early and playing him in a one double a game that doesn't matter it's a good question uh, but I, I look at him in, in that first three with martin and hicks where they'll look for the hot hand but man i'll tell you that is uh that's a pretty brutal position to try and earn playing time for Rutgers right now because you've got like you said five different guys with 100 yard games to their name 100 yard games to their name and uh Behind that, you got Charles Norway coming in as a true freshman who had something like 50 touchdowns as a senior. Right. I mean, he had that that speed factor as well. So, um, but again, like we saw over last year, you know, with, uh, obviously uh, James going down, uh, at, you know, Peoples ended up finishing uh, injured, and it's a position that in, in a physical Big Ten uh, it gets banged up a lot. So, you know, I think you you kind of want to make sure that you have your your depth set up before you even entertain, uh, you know, potentially moving guys or anything like that and that nature. Now, uh, to me, it looked like Martin put on some weight. Uh, even Hicks looked a lot solid. I mean, you see that a lot with first-year players in that first off season in the weight room, in the college weight room. Uh, you know, besides those two I mentioned, any other guys who you saw that really, like, transformed their bodies, uh, you know, in any position uh, in the off season. Uh, first guy that comes to mind for me would be Tariq Cole, redshirt freshman offensive lineman from New York. He's uh, he's one of those guys that people remember Jamal Wilson from five, six years ago. People remember what Anthony Davis looked like when he first showed up. Cole fits that moniker of coming in as a big guy, way too big guy, maybe 380 pounds when he committed to Kyle Flood. He's down to 315, 320 now. He looks great, and you can tell by the way he moves that He's really a transformed guy, and he wouldn't be in the offensive line conversation right now as a potential starter if he didn't change his body the way he did. I would definitely say he impressed the most in the off season. Yeah, it's great to hear. I mean, uh, you have that physicality and that, that kind of size. It's something that obviously you know a team that's going to rely on the run, uh, you can't have enough of those big guys. Now, you know, we talked about the running game, the wide receivers. Now, of course, the the one player I think that, that you know, Tyler Croft in the offense and, and what he was, the type of dynamic player, um, you know, there is a drop-off and there's no negative, you know, slight to the other tight ends there. But um, are there any clear front runner who, you know, the tight end will be uh, in terms of, uh, you know, it seemed like there was a couple guys who caught passes in the spring game. Is there any pecking order that's set there yet? From my perspective, I would say no. I didn't think any tight end really stepped up to take the job in spring. But if you look at the way that Kyle Flood's spoken about the position and the fact that he gave Nick Archidiacono, you know, one of those spring awards for his mental and physical toughness, I would have to say that Archidiacono, the junior from Archbishop Wood, is you know your leader in the clubhouse. But you know what? What you're doing in April and May is great, but it, it's what you do in August that wins your playing time. So it's really any man's game. Right. So I think that's that's definitely a position that that's uh, 
like you said, going to go into the uh, into the summer camp now. Uh, looking really, you know, the rest of the offense, uh, you know, <laughs> Rutgers still one of the few programs that uh, you know employs a fullback in its pro style offense. So, um, you know, Michael Burton has gone from the program. Who who seems to be the leader, and, and did anybody separate themselves in the spring? When Sam Bergen decided to come back for a sixth year, I think it was pretty clear to everyone that he would be the starter to replace Michael Burton. He had a good spring. Bergen looks better than he did last year because fullback was still a struggle at him at times. Keep in mind that he's a converted linebacker, still learning things. But I, I would really say he's the starter, and then behind him, You've got guys like Kevin Marquez and Rayzon Gross, walk-ons that are working hard, trying to earn more playing time. Maybe they'll see a few reps, but to me, that's Sam Bergen's position. Yeah, I mean, he's in for this is his sixth season, I believe, at the Banks, right? Yes, he uh, he makes us all feel a little old. <laughs> now you know. Uh, of course, I left the last discussion, uh, you know, for you know the one that's probably the one that's highest in everybody's mind in, in the quarterback uh, position. Uh, you know, I think it, it's one thing you have to be careful in looking at these spring games is, uh, you know, it, assuming that it's a live. It is live, obviously, but it's it's you know. Uh, not necessarily the game type of scenario where, you know, you're going to get hit and you know you're going to get hit uh, on these pass rushes and, and, and also the play calling could be very valuable. But, um, you know, what did you think about the quarterback play in terms of, of Laviano, who at least to the eye uh, looked like he was confident and, and in charge, um, and, and then Hayden Reddy, you know, really having his first game experience in, in a very long time? Uh, you know, not, neither one really impressed me that much this spring, but uh, I'm pretty spoiled. Uh, I've had – I started with Rutgers, covering Rutgers, uh, right in Mike Teal's prime and carrying that through to Tom Savage. And then with what Gary Nova's done, he always did well in practice. So I'm pretty spoiled when it comes to watching a quarterback in practice. And these guys, you know, sometimes you got to keep in mind that they're they're still young. Neither one's ever – really seen game experience. Laviano has a tiny bit, but not enough to make a difference. Um, I didn't think either one made great decisions in the spring game or throughout the spring, but I thought both of them, you know, showed some physical tools. Chris Laviano's ahead right now. He he can move a little bit more. That that second touchdown throw to Agadosi was really impressive. The first one should have been intercepted. And uh, Hayden Reddick didn't quite get the same opportunities. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do for him going into training camp. Yeah, and I think you bring a great point. Uh, even with the first touchdown pass, that uh, you know it, it was a, a, a second you know, team defense, and um, not only that, things change in your mind. If let's say that pass is picked off, on both in your confidence. Um, and right, I mean, like you know, Reddick's uh, first possession was on a short field, so. Um, you know, it's really hard to say evaluate, but uh, you know, I, I guess in terms of how he held himself and how he looked, I thought you know, Laviano definitely looked like a player that that was you know at least matured in in uh, uh, you know looking like a quarterback. But you know, you're right. I mean, I, over these last couple of weeks, they've been showing a lot of these uh, replays on the Big Ten Network, and uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago they had the Maryland game and. Some of the throws that Gary Nova were making in that game were, were just, you know, NFL type throws, and I think um, we kind of do forget that while he had his struggles, he had um, some spectacular games. And and uh, you know, when you look at the schedule and they're finishing eight and five, it's 
and with the quarterback play in some of those games, it's it's not easy to uh, to replace in, in this off season. But definitely a battle that's going to continue to go into the uh, into the summer. Obviously, so let's you know move over to the um, defensive side of the uh, ball. Uh, you know, wanted to get your opinion um, on some of the players that that kind of jumped out. Uh, you know, in particularly, uh, you know, we heard a lot about the cornerback position with neither Barnwell being hurt. Uh, and Anthony uh, Schiappi was moved over to safety. Uh, you know, who seems to be the leader there? Uh, Dre Boggs, uh, you know, I look like uh, Darren Daly was playing well as well. Um, you know, who are some of the guys that caught your eye in the cornerback? Uh, really, this is it's going to sound a little bit like a cop out, but all of them. Uh, I thought that uh, I thought Darren Daly had a great sp- spring. He was one of the best players all of spring, and he's really put himself in a position where Nadir Barnwell might have to worry about winning that playing time with how much he's missed. I thought Daly looked great. Boggs, there's still, you know, some concerns about his knee from last season. But he uh, he matched up with Leontay Carew a heck of a lot in the spring, and there's no way to get better than doing that. So the two of them I thought played well. I thought that Isaiah Wharton was pretty solid at corner, especially for a guy that a lot of people thought would end up at safety. Uh, and uh, bless on Austin, the true freshman. You saw that uh, fumble he forced in the spring game. That was a heck of a play. That was a spectacular play. And, and all, you know, you mentioned that, but he, you know, throughout the camp was, seemed to be a guy that was um, always around the ball. I mean, I think in the first scrimmage he, he also caused the fumble that uh, uh, Isaiah Johnson, the linebacker, returned for a touchdown. So, uh, you know, some guys just have that ability to be around the ball and make plays. Yeah, and Austin fits that. He's a he's a former quarterback, so you know he's got pretty good size, pretty good smarts, and you can convert that into a corner that's you know six foot two, physical. He spent a year in prep school, so he's a little more grown up than your average freshman. He comes from Brooklyn. He's a tough kid. He talks a big game, and you always like that out of your cornerbacks. He's he's kind of the complete package as a recruit, but. It, you know, you still got to be careful. Don't throw him into the fire too early and make sure that you teach him how to do things the right way before you ask too much of him. Right, right. Now, of course, you know, moving over to the um, the safety position, uh, you know, a guy that everybody probably is always interested in talking about, you know, still seems he's currently running with the number two. But, uh, you know, Kai Hester, that's the, the uh, four-star safety that uh, switched over to Rutgers from Miami. Uh, now, he's right now a second team, and, but how do you see the battle for, um, I guess, both safety positions um, heading into uh, summer? Yeah, I would look at both as a battle. But to me, strong safety, I was a little disappointed in Kai Hester this spring. I thought that he would really just jump in and, and take, you know, that position, dominate that position. And, you know, that's kind of shame on me because it is a redshirt freshman and sometimes you get lost in the hype a little bit of a kid coming in with – that much attention. He's still got a lot of room to grow. And Davon Jacobs is a former linebacker, so he he knows a bunch of different ways to approach that strong safety position. He he learned from Lorenzo Waters. He's had his struggles, and at this point, I would say he's ahead of Kai Hester, but both of them play. And I look at free safety. I think Delon Stevenson's going to keep that that starting job that he shared with Jonathan Aiken last year, but. Kyle Flood rewards big plays, and no one made a bigger play in the spring game than Anthony Chaffee at free safety. And he definitely looks like he's beefed up, um, you know, now at over 200 pounds. So, uh, you know, we all remember, you know, poor kid that was, 
you know, definitely at 170 pounds and, uh, you know, considering you know, the competition that he had in, in, in his school, you know, as a guy who would normally have been red-shirted, but because of the, you know, <laughs> unprecedented amount of injuries and all kinds of other things that happened in that second year, that year was thrown into the fire two years. But, uh, you know, he's a guy who looks, like you said, a ball-hawking type of safety that really, at the very least, is going to be in there as your fifth guy. And uh, uh, that could turn out to be a, a really good um, position change for Rutgers. Yeah, I, I like that position change a lot. We didn't see many of them this spring, but that one made a heck of a lot of sense to me. Anthony Chaffee, he's not the best athlete on the field. He's not the the most technically sound guy, but you go back and you chart the big plays or the times that he's around the football over the last two years, and he's right at the top of the list. Now, of course, you know, this is the Big Ten, so the, the, the physicality and, and – the bruising that goes on and against these running games that we saw last year, and, and you know, Rutgers had a rough go at it, uh, you know, facing the Wisconsin's, uh, you know, and, uh, Indiana, even that, you know, all these big games, and so the defensive line and linebacker position, uh, uh, you know, I guess the one major injury that they had was with Taylor being knocked out, um, but you know, it seemed, you know, you mentioned Gals, uh, obviously you have Longa, uh, Johnson coming in. Uh, you know, how do you see the linebacker position shaken out in terms of uh, the depth in, at that position? Yeah, I mean, I think that Gauze and Longa are both pretty much locked into their positions by now. Um, and Isaiah Johnson did what he needed to this spring. He came in ready, a uh, good find by Bob Frazier when he's out at California recruiting someone else. And, uh, you know, you got Kaiwan Lewis coming into battle with Isaiah Johnson for that middle linebacker spot. And,. You know, I, I think it's pretty clear those are your top four linebackers rotating around, and that might be all Rutgers needs this year is those four guys. Yeah, of course, uh, Lewis is the uh, fifth-year transfer coming over from South Carolina. And, you know, Rutgers has done well with uh, those fifth-year transfers, starting with R.J. Bill. Uh, you know, you had uh, uh, the cornerback, uh, Lewis Toller, and last year uh, in the uh, the wide receiver. Uh, it's in my mind now, but... Uh, he had a couple of big plays, so that's really that's right. So uh, we'll see how that fits in. So then, of course, uh, defensive line. You know, Hamilton sat out the game. Uh, probably more precaution. Don't want to get your star hurt there. Uh, but they are replacing um, Kirksey. So you know the the rotation there. Um, you know, I think some people might hope to have seen a little bit more out of Sebastian Joseph um, this off season. But um, how do you see uh, that obviously shaking out? And then, of course. Uh, you know, we're all interested to see how uh, Tomoko Kure continues to, you know, it, it just grow into being a full every-down player. Yeah, I mean, we we could list every defensive lineman because you know they're going to play about ten guys this season. But to me, I, I really I look at the nose tackle position. That's my biggest concern, my biggest question. You mentioned Sebastian Joseph, who may, you know hasn't come along as quickly as many have hoped. He's injured again, which is a concern, so he'll probably be out for a while. Now you have this redshirt freshman, Kevin Wilkins, who's a heck of a player, but he's never played before, and he's an offensive lineman by trade. And then behind him you got Quanzel Lambert, who's a 260-pound nose tackle. So to me, the three-tech is fine. The, the R position and the defensive end position that Rutgers uses, they're both fine. They've got some good depth. But that nose tackle, man, that, that is a big concern. Yeah, I mean, I, of course, I know we cringe when we, you know, kind of hear that 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 size. I mean, those are 
things that worked in the past, you know, using, uh, you know, the smaller defensive guys, um, you know, of course, Foster, you think about, uh, uh, you know, Aaron Brand, but, you know, <laughs> this is the Big Ten folks. So, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, as you mentioned, that, that, that Joseph does step up in there. So I guess rounding out, you know, you're, you know, at the practices and, you know, we really don't get to see much in terms of the spring game, even though they had a fun little contest in that punt contest. Uh, <laughs> but special teams, um, you know, didn't sound too great in terms of the kicking game um, and really anyone taking control of the punting job. Uh, you know, any any notes uh, to add in there? Yeah, you know, I, I watched, you know, I was at every I was at every practice, all 15 of them, and I, and I would say special teams really – is what it was last year. It's really no better or worse. You've got a a long snapper that was brought in on scholarship that, you know, he got it done last year, but that was with a big assist by Mike Pomonte. Uh He really needs to show some improvement in Alan Lucy. That's what I'm talking about. And then you look at the kicking game, and Kyle Federico's a career, you know, 65 70% kicker, and, and that's what he's going to be this season. And at punter, You've got Joey Roth, who's got a stronger leg, but it takes him a while to get rid of the ball. And you got Tim Gleason, who's pretty good at trapping you inside the 20. I really think that fans are going to see what they saw last year on special teams when you're talking about the kicking game. Yeah, I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, it's such an important part of the game, of course. And, uh, you know, Rutgers has done well in terms of blocks and things like that. But, uh, you know, you really cannot give away field position and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, another uh, uh, in a couple of months we'll be out here evaluating again. So, you know, it, it's obviously a good, valuable practice opportunity for a lot of the guys there, and, and for the most part, uh, not many injuries. So, I think uh, in that sense, I probably um, really everybody probably is happy about the uh, the spring uh, turnout and show. Yeah, not too many bad injuries. Uh, and you know what? They they made the top. I think top 20 in overall spring game attendance. So those are two pretty big wins for the program right there. Cool. Well, Sam, I know you got to hop and I appreciate you coming on to the show and I definitely uh, look forward to getting you on again in the future. Yep. Thanks, Jerry. And just uh, for those listening, you can find my stuff, uh, Rutgers.scout.com. We cover every practice, we cover recruiting and feel free to check us out. All right. Well, thanks again. We'll talk again in the future. Definitely. Thanks, Jerry. Well, thanks on to Sam for coming on to the show and, uh, you know, kind of take a little uh, second here before we um, move on to the next phase of the show. For those listening to the first time, uh, this is the Our Big Show, a podcast that uh, has kind of transformed over the years. Uh, I started out um, doing this uh, with another colleague, Pete Zonsky. We were doing, uh, at the time, of course, Big East football and, uh, you know, did a little focus on, uh, really, the Northeast team is as Pete was a uh, Connecticut guy, and uh, you know we did our focus on, on Rutgers in Connecticut, but uh, you know went through the Big Ten uh, transformation, uh, and, and I kind of had the show as uh, during that AACU where you know we were AAC year, sorry, where we uh, looked at Rutgers, um, you know some of the AAC, and then kind of started looking forward to talking to some uh, uh, our future opponents and, and guys from from the Big Ten. And now last year transitioned to, uh, you know, kind of doing half of the show Rutgers on uh, the second half, um, you know, talking about uh, uh, the other Big Ten programs. And, and, and I do my best usually to try to get guys from, from some of the other 
programs that are not as easily or followed as often. I mean, it's always easy to get guys from Michigan and Ohio State and uh, Penn State, even uh, Nebraska, because there's tons of fans. But, uh, you know, there's there's other schools like Indiana and, and uh, you know, Northwestern that, that have followings and uh, always try to do a good job of, of getting those guys on to talk. And, uh, you know, obviously Maryland as well, you know, and I, I think – you know, you, you learn through some of those struggles uh, for those that are, you know, as Rutgers tries to weave its way through the middle half of this conference and, and hopefully move up in, in, in it. But, uh, you know, just a couple of notes on what I saw in terms of the, the spring practice, whether it's, uh, you know, the spring game and just reading what's going on. And, uh, you know, one thing, you know, we talk a lot about the recruiting and it's always a big uh, talking point with Rutgers in, getting them the the New Jersey players and and the top New Jersey players when for instance you have a year like what's coming up where uh you know there's three national recruits uh coming out of New Jersey um, those are the kind of guys that come in and give you the star power that can compete with the Ohio states maybe or you know obviously the Michigan states and uh they do have to lock down those guys but you know, one thing from looking at these these practice notes and these, you know, in the spring game, it seemed that Rutgers does have a lot more depth than, than it did have in the past. Uh, you know, I, I talked about, uh, you know, five wide receivers that, that, that can, you know, uh, a group of wide receivers that can at least compare to some of the other groups uh, that Rutgers had in the past. So, uh, uh, you know, obviously when, when they, a couple of years ago when they had uh, Coleman and, and Harrison and Wright and before that, uh uh, you know, Britt and Underwood and Tim Brown, uh, you know, there's there's five guys that can play, and I think that's something to keep, you know, an eye on. Uh, you know, obviously after Ray Rice left, uh, you know, there were some inconsistencies on the offensive line, but uh, no real dynamic running backs. Uh, you know, Dewan Jameson put together a good year before going pro, but, you know, when you look at the fact that Hicks and, and Martin are freshmen and, and James, when he's on the field, is, is a dynamic player, uh, you know, again, I mentioned in, in booing and peoples who can do things. Uh, there's a lot of depth on this team. Uh, you know, does it need more depth on the defensive line and size? Of course. But, uh, you know, we see in these position battles, as Sam mentioned, you know, a couple of guys that jumped out on him at cornerback, uh, you know, quite a few guys did. So it's uh, it's something to to say for the quality of the roster uh, that, in what Kyle Flood has been able to do with his recruiting is, uh, you know, maybe they've struck out on some of the big home run guys. And, and I think if you watch that spring game, you know, I remember a couple of years back when I saw Muhammad Sanu in his first spring game, and he had just switched over to wide receiver. And I looked at this guy and he just jumped out at you like that. And his athleticism and his, he just looked like an NFL player. Uh, you know, not as many. Of course, there's guys like Torrey and, uh, you know, Hamilton didn't play. Uh, guys that jump out at you in terms of the freak athletic ability that will, when you go in against an Ohio State and be able to compete. But from top to bottom, it seems like there definitely is a lot more, more depth on, on this team. And, you know, where does that translate? I think that translates in the record that they had last year. Uh, if you look at Rutgers' record, um, you know, obviously eight and five, you know, there was six games that, that you say, you know, they played teams that they were better and I'm putting Michigan in that, in that, in that uh, category. And then you probably had uh, three games where they probably were equal to the other teams. Uh, um, even though personally, I think North Carolina goes in the, in the, 
box of teams that Rutgers was better than. But because of perception, Rutgers was underdog in that game. But Rutgers was a better team. But let's say North Carolina, Penn State, Maryland are teams that they were even with. And they went 2-1 and one in those games. And, you know, we sh- they should have pulled out the Penn State game. Um, you know, at the end of the day, going 8-1 and one against the teams that you were better than or equal to, uh, you have to give some credit to the coaching staff there. Now, of course, this year they lose uh, Ralph Friedman in the uh, in the off season, um, and that is something that that may be an issue. Um, you know, he was potentially a difference maker, but I think he was also more of a difference maker uh, to to Gary Nova. Uh, so you know, that is something that it, it still to me looks at the staff is doing a good job of getting these guys ready. Now, the games that they were playing against teams that were better and much better, they were 0-4 and, and very ugly losses, of course, in Ohio State, Michigan State, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. So that's where they are as a program. Now, when you're replacing a Gary Nova, as I said, if you go back and look at that Maryland game, obviously he threw for over 400 yards against Michigan, um, you know, it's not going to be easy to replace those guys, to place him, his production, I should say, sorry, a senior quarterback. So um, does that mean that some of these games that they you would put in that bucket as teams that they're better than um, may not really be there? Uh, that that could be so. So duplicating last year's record of 8-5 and five is not going to be easy. But going forward, the key is to take that 0-4 bucket and – turn that into competitive games, and then eventually start winning them. Now, that's where you turn to recruiting, and that's where you turn to getting the top players, keeping the top players in the state, getting some of these star players. I mean, when you look at a Rashawn Gary, a 300-pound defensive linebacker, defensive lineman, uh, you know, a guy like that has NFL potential all over him. Those are the guys that you need, and those are the guys that you need to compete with in, in those other programs that are at the top tier uh, of the league, but um, right now it's still a an interesting sell that they have. You know, I think what is going on is Rutgers what it sells. You know, what is it selling? What is it selling to recruits? Uh, you know, before it was uh, when they started to do well, it was uh, you know we get guys in the NFL. So you know, coaches would say, well, you want to go to the NFL, come to to my school. You know, we have X amount. Rutgers did a good job of selling that. You know, they have the Knights in the NFL. Uh, Quite frankly, that's how I started getting involved in, in podcasting and blogging, was keeping track of uh, Rutgers players in the NFL. And it, it grew from 5 to 10 to as much as 25. And now, you know, you can tell kids, well, you know, look at, you know, Devin McCourty. Look at, uh, uh, you know, Jason McCourty. Look at these guys in the NFL. We, you, you come here, you can play in the NFL. So that takes away that excuse. Uh, the next thing was playing in the Big East and then playing in the AFC. Now you're playing in the Big Ten. Potentially, Rutgers is playing in the toughest division of college football, at least considered possibly the second toughest division. When you look at what's going to happen over the next two years with Urban Meyer and Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh is going to get Michigan back. You have Penn State on the upswing. You, know, you obviously have Michigan State. I mean, it's it's a division that's, you know, as I said, probably only exceeded by, you know, the, the SEC and, and the SEC West, but the the sell then becomes, well, 
come to Rutgers because you can play against the best. And, and if you want to be the best, you play against the best. So the only thing I think that's left really for, for Rutgers is obviously winning on the field and, and just dealing with the fact that there are going to be kids who want to get out of the state. And I think that's just, you know, you know maybe what we saw in, in uh, Garrett, Garrett, uh, Garrett Tannel, the quarterback um, who chose Tennessee over Rutgers. And, um, you know, not to say that Tennessee is, is not a place that you would want to go, but it's it's Ohio, not Ohio State. It's not, you know, you're losing to Michigan or you're losing to Alabama. Uh, you know, the bottom line, I think they're just players that, that want to leave the state, and, and that, that may have been the case there. But what Rutgers needs to do, you know, last season getting shut out in the top 12, 15 of its own state, that can't happen. Uh, you're going to continuously lose top players to – other schools, and that's because players have options, and and they are schools that will sell the fact that it has a football culture, and you get to leave home and go away to play in places like Texas and Alabama and you know Michigan, where there's a hundred thousand fans, and and you will lose kids there. That's that's fine, but what they need to do is grab the next group of, of the top five, the top ten in New Jersey, and keep them from from going to uh, I don't know, let's say Michigan State or going to uh, Wisconsin or you know, going to Penn State, I mean, for a while, you know, Shiano was able to keep Penn State away from, from a lot of the top players. I mean, it, you know, first it was keeping Pittsburgh away, keeping Syracuse away. So that's that's the part, that's the challenge that, that Rutgers has. And it also has a challenge of going after the top players in the state while still going after the next level of guys. So, you know, how much, you know, the quote-unquote show the love to certain players while making sure you also stand in with the player behind him. Uh, if that player, top player picks another place, that you're still in a good position uh, to go, to go uh, and, and, and pick another guy as well. So I think that's where, where Rutgers is at this point. But what we want to do now, see, take a kind of look at um, the recruiting um, side of things and where uh, they are in the, this junior class, which is junior to be, um, going in for uh, the their senior class, uh, you know the uh, 2000 and it's crazy to say, but the uh, the the signing class for 2016, which is where Rutgers is, uh, all college football is focusing on at this time. So looking for now at this time, I definitely want to uh, uh, you know give a chance to anyone who would like to call in. Uh, if you want to call in, the number is. 914-338-1694, and that's uh, 914-338-1694. And by the way, if you want to tweet or send me anything, uh, and I'll you know try to answer on the show, the um, the number my my Twitter handle is RUFanJerry, and you can uh, send me actually a tweet right now, and you know can get to it as well. So uh, in a little while, we are going to get to talking over to recruiting, but um, one last thing we wanted to take a look at was in terms of the NFL draft. This year, Rutgers is potentially a little bit light on that end. Of course, um, talked a little bit about the loss of um, Kyle, I'm sorry, <laughs> of Tyler Croft. Um, we've been hearing a lot of good things about him, and it, it seems like it's, it's always difficult to tell when you're hearing from anonymous scouts because are they giving you information uh, to not pump up a guy too much or the, uh, you know, what they, 
may find as as a uh, you know a gem. They're not going to talk up a guy too much. So, but Klopp seems to have some of that ability as a tweener type of tight end that can go in as a receiver and and you know potentially uh, you know be be play in some of the more dynamic uh, offenses in the NFL that that utilize a pass receiving um, tight end. So he's a guy. Of course, we also have in terms of interest, uh, you know, Gary Nova. I don't see him getting drafted, but I definitely see him as someone who will be taken in a camp and given a shot. I mean, as as Sam mentioned from practice, uh, he's a guy who makes all those throws in practice, and he did well at his Rutgers uh, day. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team give him a, a, a shot um, albeit, you know, at least coming in as an undrafted free agent that will get a chance to uh, you know, throw the ball around in this in the spring. But additionally, there's also Caleb Johnson, the guard uh, who started for four years at, at Rutgers. Um, it's always difficult to tell with guards and centers uh, where they go in the draft, but uh, it's a possibility that he gets taken. You know, it could be a, a, a third-day guy, someone that gets picked up uh, – a little bit later in the draft. And then, um, you know, another interesting player is um, Michael Burton. Now, I don't see him being drafted per se. Fullbacks, again, as we mentioned, you know, very few teams at the college level employ uh, um, the, tight, you know, fullback position. So uh, to, to expect him to be drafted, I doubt it. But in terms of, um, you know, definitely – being a guy that will get into a camp, you know, by teams that, that use uh, a a tight end, uh, a fullback or an H-back type of player, he's a guy that, that may, uh, you know, get a shot. So I, I see that. And, and what's interesting is because you're now starting to see a little bit of um, some of the fallback of a little fall off that you're seeing in the recruiting starting to take place now on the – NFL draft day, right? I mean, 2012, in terms of all the defensive uh, guys that were drafted, uh, you know, you just look back and say, wow, that was a tremendous defense. So last year, uh, you know, kind of a quiet draft, and then again, you know, this year. So you definitely, as I mentioned, kind of see that fall off with the quality of player that, that you know, Rutgers has had. And, but not saying they don't have the talent, but it's not in – the NFL type of players that, that we've been used to over the last couple of years. And I think some of that is the confines of what Greg Schiano used to be able to do and go in and steal a couple of top five players and then coach up particularly defensive backs, which were his specialty. Whereas Kyle Floyd and, and his staff are doing a good job of identifying plays, players uh, across the board and, and providing more depth. But, uh, you know, obviously have been shut out of the top players uh, in, in the state and top players on their on their board, as you may be, um, for the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, that's kind of showing up in the in the uh, in the draft uh, segment of it. But what we're going to do here is just uh, take a quick little break, and then I'm going to get right back on, and then uh, we're going to uh, talk a little bit more. 
Anyway, I'm back. This is uh, you, Fan Jerry. Welcome back to the, our big show. Sorry to step away right over there. But, uh, again, let me give you the number if anyone wants to call in. I still have uh, another 26 minutes of show of airtime. The number is 914-338-1694. And uh, I want to welcome, I actually have a uh, caller here. Uh, welcome to the uh, our big show. Who am I speaking with? How you doing, Jerry? This is uh, Hugh Lope. Hugo, how you doing? A good friend of mine and a long-time listener to the uh, podcast. Uh, thanks for uh, calling in. So uh, let me ask you were, you, were you at the uh, spring game on this uh, Friday? No, nah, I was actually uh, sick under the weather, so unfortunately I, I, I couldn't make it. But uh, I heard that it was a great event. I watched it. I DVR'd it. So I got a chance to see it, and uh, it looked really good. I, I think adding the... Um, the ex-players to the show, to the segment, and interviewing them, even having Harry Swain there, uh, added an extra touch, which I thought was uh, great. And uh, I'm hoping that we get some commits because of it. So hoping for something in the next uh, the next month. Um, but it is a long season. It's still early. It's only April. And I think uh, all of us fans are uh, chomping at the bit you know, hoping for the next uh, recruit to commit. But, you know, you still have the summer and you still have the fall and you still have the signing period of February. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, uh, you know, like they say, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint with becoming a, a recruiting uh, game. And, uh, you know, you know, we talked about Garantano being kind of like, you know, a, a headline name um, that they missed out on. Uh, you know, personally, I, I still think he was a player that really was never inclined to coming. Uh, but you know, with him off the board, it kind of uh, brings the attention to uh, Dwayne Haskins, who um, you know some may actually consider uh, potentially more upside in, in his recruitment. And, and of course, um, you know, for those who know, he's a guy who grew up in, in New Jersey. He's a Maryland guy now, but uh, you know, still it's you know put Rutgers in his top, and uh, has been very close to the program with current recruiter Muhammad Javi, and of course, uh, uh, relationship with Muhammad Sanu. So. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, that could be that catalyst that, you know, fans seem to be and everyone looking for someone to take leadership and say, you know, I'm going to be the guy that's going to, you know, commit to this class early. And, you know, I guess, you know, you probably agree that, you know, that kind of commitment would lead to potentially some uh, momentum in uh, in the recruiting of uh, the other players in the state. Yeah, I think so. I think based on, you know, what I've read and stuff, I'm no recruit expert, but from what they say, you know, the quarterback is always the the biggest domino, and once you get him to commit, you know, the wide receivers sometimes fall in line because they want to play with that quarterback, and then you get some other guys that uh, want to follow the leader, so to speak, because, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, quarterbacks are the leaders of the, uh, the offense and sometimes the team. So it'd be great to get a kid like that. You know, I think Savage was a four-star quarterback, and it'd be nice to – to get a guy like that on board, but we'll see. Um, I think he's supposed to be in the area, and as long as we keep a relationship with him, hopefully he uh, he comes this way. If not, then you know we got to keep moving. And actually, I was going to ask you. I don't know what you think, but you know, there's a lot of hoopla and hype around this whole 2016 recruiting class, and you know if if Flood doesn't seem to land a lot of the big fish. Um, but we still have a decent recruiting class. Does does that, 
you know, kind of go away, or do we just keep winning and keep building for the following years? Well, I think you, you, you definitely bring up a good point because they're heading to the interesting time of, you know, they have to continue to do well on the field, and they did well last year. You know, obviously going eight and five, but you have the benefit of, of you know, most of the nation and the perception and the people who put together, you know, I think Vegas had four wins. Uh, you know, that's because, you know, Rutgers is still Rutgers, and, and it just this perception game takes a long time to, to you know, to do and away I think, with that. And I, yeah, and I think that's the thing is that because you have all these commits there, they all seem to love Flood. They all love the program. They all seem to be excited. You know, it gets the fan base excited based on, you know, that perception. But you don't see a commit. So it's like, ah, it's uh, it's kind of nail-biting. Yeah, it's, kinda, it's, it's, you know. it's, it's tough. It's the, uh, it's the old uh, chicken and egg, I think, uh, you know, conversation of, you know, uh, guys want to see them win and then they'll come. Uh, but then how do you win without them coming? And, you know, you, I, I always, you know, kind of sit back and think of this when you put yourself in the shoe of, of a player and, you know, you're this top recruit who has guys calling you from all over the nation and are you going to be that one guy that say, you know, I'm going to go to Rutgers. Uh, you know, they may not, you know, compete for a national title, but I want to stay at home. You know, where the other guys telling you, like, you know, hey, you know, we're we're in the SEC and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're Ohio State. Like, you know, so – it's just it's hard, and and I think um, I think there's two issues uh, you know going. One is that you know some of these top players have so many options that it's hard to not fall to that. I mean, not fall. I shouldn't say fall. Is not to choose those you know people. And then there's just what I call the kind of nature of New Jersey. It, it is what it is. It's a small state in terms of uh, the size of it, and and kids is very densely populated. And I think there's just people who just want to get away. And that's no different than any other student, actually. You know, how many students and top students leave the state to go to all these neighboring universities? And I think that's something that happens where, you know, some of these kids just want to get out of New Jersey and, and, you know, going to the middle of Pennsylvania and going to, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. It's just something different and, and something that they want to do. No, that's that's legitimate. You know, that's that's a legitimate point. But at the same time, you you see the pride in other programs like at Michigan, Ohio, and don't get me wrong, they have hundreds of years, you know, of 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 uh, of legacy of programs. So you can't compare, you know, uh, the small uh, winning tradition that we've had compared to them, right? And hundreds of years. So maybe that's what it is. You know, it just takes time, and um, there's no shortcuts, right? So it's. It's just going to yeah, take us think, as uh, a you know, fan base. We, we've got to be, you know, but then you have some fan, part of the fan base that says, well, how patient should we be? They think that, you know, having a particular coach or a particular recruiting style is going to change things overnight, right? It, it's tough. And I think, you though, you bring up a good point in terms of um, recruiting. I mean, uh, I, what, what's going to happen on this field is, is this year is going to be important, right? Because, you know, I, I was just saying it's it's you know it's not going to be easy just to replicate it in five like that's and and that would be not a you know a, a reflection of a poor coaching job it's just that it was you know things went you know the right way to, to win those games you know like i mentioned those michigan games those games that you know now you got harbor on the sidelines this year when you're playing michigan you know you know Rutgers may have the same talent as them this year 
uh, but you got a guy that can coach and, and, you know, do you win that game? And you don't have Gary Nova throwing for 400 yards, you know. Then you got Maryland who, you know, it's, you know, maybe they won't blow the lead this year. So let's say Rutgers goes six and six or, you know, then if Flood doesn't close out on this class, and then what I mean by closing out, like I, they cannot get shut out in the top 15 of their own state. And if you if he again gets in that situation and you're six and six, and then I, I think yes, I mean it would become time to to look at another at a coaching change. But uh, you know, if he goes six and six and he pulls in, you know, doesn't pull in obviously the top you know guys, but if he pulls in you know guys from that top five to top ten, which makes his recruiting class better than last year, it you know it becomes difficult in terms of of doing that, and and I think we all have this vision that if there was a big name guy that comes in and would just wow people over, Rutgers will bring some of these top players and have them stay. But, uh, you know, who is that guy? I, I don't know. It's it's not easy to say. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. And so that's why I hope for Flood to succeed. If he wins, you know, it, it, and let's say we don't get any of the bigger names early on. They go somewhere else or they're holding off. To your point, we win again. We prove that we're – or, uh, you know, we we get eight wins again, you know, or, or seven wins and uh, in a bowl game. And then, you know, come February, hey, those guys might decide, you know what, I'm having second thoughts. Maybe maybe the grass wasn't greener on the other side. Maybe I should be, you know, looking at Rutgers. Maybe I should be going back there because I really like it there. And look, they're proving that they can win two years in a row. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, you know, the only the, the the one concern I have, like I was saying, is where I was actually a little. I was impressed with what I think is the depth of, of this team, and I think a lot of that does go to to the able to the ability to identify, uh, you know, talent on on the staff. Uh, but quarterback the bottom line concerns is, you though, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, not only quarterback, but just you know, just you can only you know we talk about stars and. Boards, you know, and and of course it's a popular topic on the boards, right? Where you know, well, where you know, X amount of two-star players make it to the NFL. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is, you know, play the percentages. If you know, we look at a Florida State, they just pull in tons of four-star guys. So let's say one of them doesn't pan out, well, put in the next guy, right? Yeah. You you need those top guys. It's no secret that who are the, some of the best players that we have going into the year. Uh, you know, Darius Hamilton, Leonte Carew, those are four-star guys. Those are the guys who probably may play at the next level. So you have to pull in those guys. Otherwise, what happens is what we saw against Ohio State and Michigan State, and that's those pummelings. I think make it hard to sell. Like, and that's you know because the kids when they go to a program, they want to be in these big games. So, you don't, you know, it, it, the sell becomes easier to the opposing coaches. I do really want to go through that. Like, sure, you can go eight and five in the quick lean bowl, but, you know, when you play Michigan State, you want to lose 40 to five, you know, to, to seven. So I think that's the hardest part. And you can't compete against those teams unless you have those players. So I don't know. I think it's you almost need that dream team idea that people were saying where, you can get, you don't need all, you know, you don't need Rashawn Gary and Kareem Walker and, and Garantano, but to get at least five, six core guys and say, you know, let's do it. And, and that's what Flood has to find a way of doing. Those four-star guys, like you said, because the two and three stars are great. Michigan State does it, right? That's an example. But you need them to uh, continue. Um, they take a little longer to develop. 
Yes, right. And, and that's another point, too, you know, talking about Michigan State is that, uh, you know, like the, uh, I had on the Carpenter a couple uh, early in the last year, and he's, it's almost just part of the program that they just tell the guys, like, look, I, you're not playing freshman year, you know. Very rarely does a guy come in there and play, and 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 that just allows for the maturation process of you know, you're playing a 21 year old guy in his junior year, you know, and, and a guy that's been in the program four years. I mean, it just it makes a difference, like you said. It takes some of these guys more time to develop, and uh, you know that's why the quarterback position I actually would be excited for Rutgers to land like a Haskins and, and, and maybe not be in a position to, you know, I, I think deep down is why a lot of people are rooting for not, you know, saying that there's anybody has an interest, but, you know, the hope is that Reddy will come in and take it, you know, the position by, by, you know, you know, pull by the horns and hold it down so that you get a new quarterback that can actually sit and, and develop for two years, you know, kind of like Mike Peel did instead of keep throwing in young guys and, and, uh, you know, go through that cycle of, uh, you know, playing as a freshman, you know, developing as a sophomore. And then finally, you know, like the Gary Nover, you know, imagine if you had him one more year. Right. But it's not an easy, uh, it's not an easy sell. But, you know, quick question I have for you, though, you know, going back, um, you know, you didn't make it out to the game. I actually, same thing, did not make it out to the game. But, uh, you know, I, I saw the, the punt contest that they did and, um I thought that was a great thing about getting the NFL players back. And, uh, you know, I have a, a, a buddy of mine that's a Florida State fan who always gives me, uh, you, know, um, you know, stuff about Rutgers. But, you know, you even admit that the selling point of, of all these players that got into the NFL, it's, it's, a good, it's a good sell because at least it tells these guys that, you know, you can go move on. Um, but what would you like to see in terms of even the marketing or some ideas that, that you think the program can do better in, in selling itself? Um, I'm not. I wasn't, I wasn't a marketing major. But I think uh, <laughs> I think definitely um, uh, so, social media is uh, front and center these days. And I do see that, you know, Twitter uh, hashtags are used. But, you know, if if there are stories that are out there that, that um, the program wants to put out, they should put them out um, on social media. They, they they should they should get all that stuff out there um, as as much as possible. The use of Twitter, right? Um, the use of uh, Instagram, uh, a- anything. I know that they're using it, but um, I don't know if you know the um, they recently lost two members in their um, their group. Right for I think in in the football division, and um, I don't know if they've backfilled them yet. But once they do, you know they've got to be uh, really good at utilizing our uh, social media and um, creating content. So that stuff needs to get out there, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, and it just helps in terms of building the program, and it's it's a long process in terms of the perception, but. Um, you know, and, and how about and how about continuing the 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 pipeline into Florida or into New York? I I, I think we you know I I like what they've done with our vision. Um, I, I like what they've done with the uh, with the uh, videos that they threw out there to YouTube. Um, you know I don't know if there are more billboards this year, but I, I've always liked the billboards and the ads across the Big Ten. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't know what what more they can do. Yeah, no, I think they've, you know, they're they're doing a good job in terms of the, uh, and and even the fan experience. I I know the 
you know, supply and demand. So, you know, we look at it this year. Obviously, Ohio State game will be sold out. Um, you know, you have games, um, you know, there's a lot of local alumni for these schools. And then what happens is games like Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, Nebraska, those become a hard ticket. So people will hear about everybody going there, having a good time, and then it, it makes the games like, you know, obviously Kansas is homecoming this year. Uh, it makes some of those other games that normally would have a harder time selling become more valuable because it becomes attainable to go to those games. So I think that that, that helps. Um, of course, they have to put together, you know, a good product on the field. But um, I think, you know, they're doing, you know, the best they can do. They're getting these kids on the campus early and often. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's another thing. You know, you start now, you know, kids growing up from peewees or, you know, know that Rutgers is a you know, viable program. And more importantly, I think also to get the families of the players around the program, believe it or not, it's, it, it, well, believe it, obviously, it's the family. But, you know, when these kids are growing up, you know, there's a lot of people around them and, and you know, they're like, oh, you know, you're going to grow up and play Ohio State, you know, and, and that just beats in your head too. And, and, you know, the more you can get people becoming fans, the more people are like, well, you know, you know that'd be cool to see you play in Rutgers, uh, you know, against Michigan. So I think that part of the sell um, unfortunately takes time. But, you know, one thing you mentioned about, Kyle Flood and everybody likes him and you say, you know, a lot of recruits come. Um, do you think that maybe Rutgers needs to get a little more, you know, dirty in the recruiting game? I'm not talking about dirty SEC style, but I'm talking, I'm talking about, oh, you know, man. Yeah, I, you, I, you know, I, think, I, think, I think, I think, I think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, roll up your sleeves. I mean, uh, nice guys finish last sometimes. I don't know. So maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe uh, no one's saying you know you 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 you've got to throw money around and stuff like that. But you know, obviously, um, you know, um, sometimes uh, coaching yeah, I'm, I'm talking more offered, a little bit like, you know, like ne- negativity positions. or yeah, you know, <laughs> or you, 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 you throw that out with. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, it, it's pretty absurd that, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, Jim Harbaugh comes back to college and the first guy, you know, that they take yeah. to be the recruiting coordinator is a high school coach from New Jersey who happens to be the high school coach of the number one defensive tackle in the country. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it's it's and, and some of the other things where I, I love the families, it's great. And, I, and I, I think it's a great sell because you have to be consistent with that in order for it to sell for the family. But I think there are some times where you have to say, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I know Garantano is an interesting story because the father played a record, so you never want to alienate him. But, you know, once it became apparent that he wasn't going in, you're going to do this whole Times Square thing is, you know, kind of do like Urban Meyer did, where, you know, they, he, he obviously made the phone call early in the morning, and then they said next, and they, you know, extended an offer to someone else. At that point, everybody knew he wasn't going to Ohio State. You know, I think that was a situation where Rutgers should have not let itself get played, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that they were raised or, or, you know, maybe publicly offer another quarterback, which would have made it apparent that, you know, oh, he's not going there. You know, you know, little things like that that say, you know, that's fine, but don't, don't um, you know, you know, you don't have to pick us, but don't put on a, a show when you really aren't going to really but, intend but on going to the program. Yeah, but, but it seems as though that, that – that was his nature, you know, so that was going to happen based on his 
the social media exposure. You know, it seemed like that was exactly. uh, yeah. it, it was in his nature to do something like that. There really wasn't anything he could do about it. But you know, at the end of the day, like, like you said, it's a marathon, so you never know what's going to happen. You know, seven seven months or however many months from now, um, you know, who knows? Maybe he's back in play. You never know. These things. Oh, right. We all know recruiting is crazy. It's a crazy game, and you know anything can happen between now and February. Definitely true. Well, Hugo, it was good talking to you, man. I appreciate you coming yeah. on. We got to get you on maybe, here. maybe uh, again in the future, man. Yeah, we'll talk again. I'll, appreciate. I call calling in. All right, thanks, sir. Bye. All right, thanks. Well, thanks. Um, I got to get to do you know make sure I do a good job of getting that number out for. Uh, for anyone else who wants to call in, um, the 914-338-16 uh, with uh, the last four, two digits here, 1694. So anyway, what we're going to do is going to wrap up this show again, um, kind of keeping it quiet in the off season. I will try to get something out. Um, uh, sorry, I wasn't able to get um, Mike on. We'll talk, get him on, uh, talk some recruiting in the future. And uh, I know it's pretty crazy on the NFL uh, draft side of it. So, um, you know, maybe do a little something with uh, Rick in the future uh, and see how it shakes out. So good luck to the Rutgers guys who are potentially going to, uh, you know, experience uh, a culmination of their dreams, whether they get drafted or not. You know, within the next week, usually uh, guys get signed. So, uh, you know, you know, good luck to those guys out there. Well, good luck to all the players, obviously, because, you know, uh, it's, it's an amazing feat. But um, we'll definitely get another show on in a couple of weeks um, and, and talk some uh, – uh, 2016 recruiting. But again, thanks for everyone for listening. This is RU Fan Jerry, and uh, you can catch me on Twitter at RU Fan Jerry. Thanks. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.